Welcome to another quick cap episode of Pop Fiction Women, a real-time discussion of what we're hearing, reading, and watching of complicated women today. This episode... Oh, hi, Kate. Hi. Hi, Corinne. I went, I went too fast. It's I okay. Little, Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm so, I'm so excited about so this episode. So you just wanted to just get... just trying to dive in. Yes. You wanted to yes. deep dive right away. Oh, my gosh. Okay. There's so much to talk about. So... I'm calling this episode adaptation. Oh, not that we really have a theme, but I don't know. It's only our it's only our third one at this point, so we can come up with a theme if we want to. I love themes. Um, I love yes, a good theme. Sure, and some structure. I love it. So I, I mean it in the literal sense of the word, but also a little bit of a play on words. First, we're going to be talking about a number of news items that involve novels being adapted for the screen, big and small. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to discuss uh, how you and I quickly adapted when we got the last minute invitation oh. to do our first ever Pop Fiction Women live event. Look how you th- got right? that adaptation <laughs> theme yes. in with that. Yes. We did. We adapted quickly. We did. It was incredible. But more on that towards the end, right? Yes. Well, we'll talk about first the the news. An update from our last quick cap. I played some clips from the season finale of The Affair. And I said a little bit about Sarah Treem. What a brilliant-minded, complicated woman I think she is. And can I just say, you also said... That yes. you follow her on Instagram and always have, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that one of the things that struck you is that it looks like such a cool place to work and, a, I and cool did. people to be around. <gasps> I did you say did. that. That's so, so true. So which, continue because this. Which <laughs> yes, what Kate is teasing here is that since we last recorded that, the Hollywood Reporter broke an explosive story alleging that Sarah Treem created or at least supported a toxic work environment. And a few days later, Sarah Treem penned her own response published with Deadline. The two accounts of what was going on on the affair behind the scenes read not only like its own show with so much drama, so much contention, so much conflict, Mm -hmm. um, but more accurately, it reads like its own version of the affair. Yes, it's right? exactly with, like life mm, imitating with, art. I mean, with the varied perspectives and mm-hmm. the complete lack of an objective truth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? So before we dive into maybe some of the drama, I loved this show, and you did not love this mm. show for reasons that have nothing to do with either Sarah Tree right. or a toxic work environment. Right, but right. I was curious because we never, I don't know, we did talk about it, but I don't really remember what it was you didn't love. Jeez, oh, do I even remember? I lasted two seasons, but I almost didn't make it out of season one. Right. Um, I really disliked Ruth Wilson's character. And oh, Ruth Wilson happens mm-hmm. to be the one who is launching the allegations of a hostile work environment and she is sort of the source for this Hollywood Reporter article. I found her so unlikable. I was curious because I think how you feel about Ruth Wilson's character, Allison, is at the crux of, and I'm guessing here, I I don't know Sarah Treem, I don't know Ruth Wilson, I was never a single day on a set of the affair, (laughs) but I have a feeling that is what is the crux of this 
difference in perspectives. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about some of the allegations Ruth Wilson is, is yeah, saying? Yeah, or? largely they had to do with nudity and sex scenes mm-hmm. in it and yep. her feeling as if they were gratuitous at times or not being not necessary and, you know, that she was, I guess didn't sign on board for all of this, right? I mean, because right. clearly she signed on board for some of it. I mean, my sense was she thought that it was, uh, in some senses, going too far or sometimes not necessary. But mm-hmm. even yeah. before I read Sarah Treem's response, my yeah. first thought was, well, like, you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, this this is a <laughs> TV show called The Affair. Okay. The Affair, That is yeah. very much about the sexual relationships not just the the one the actual affair between other characters so i i yep. thought that was a little odd right on its face right then when i read sarah Treem's response she articulated it even better like she did right she really did I, it was really i mean it makes sense she's a writer right yes Obviously. of course but but her first person perspective was just so strong and it really overshadowed the reported account, which is what we got from The Hollywood Reporter. And also hers was so specifically her point of view, whereas, again, The Hollywood Reporter piece was trying to paint a picture of a culture. And I think it got lost in there that it wasn't just Ruth versus Sarah, which is Unfortunate because I do think the other pieces make a fuller picture, right? She says there was one director that had clearly, I mean, no one is arguing this director did completely inappropriate things. It's its a matter of who was offended, but I don't know where that comes in as far as the culture goes. And then there, Sarah talked about Showtime being involved and that Showtime's parent company, CBS, which has their own Me Too issues. Right. So, I mean, it... it it isn't quite Ruth versus Sarah here, but I think that's the way it's sort of boiling down. Do you agree with that? Or Yeah, I think so. Maybe if this Hollywood Reporter article had been written by Ruth Wilson, maybe if it was more first person versus first yes. person, it yes. would be more effective. But I just found Sarah's so much more, I don't, I, I hate to say persuasive, but, right. you know, just like her point about how, the whole issue for Ruth Wilson's character in the affair is that she's lost a child. She's suffering extreme grief. And one of the ways she deals with that is Mm -hmm. through this sexual relationship and this affair. And, and there was that scene she talked about, I think this was in the second season because I was still watching up against a tree and they were, they were working out some real anger right yes and so they thought artistically that that scene that sex scene should demonstrate that and should convey that and and apparently Ruth Wilson thought perhaps it was gratuitous or whatever but when you think about it I remember that scene I mean that that would make sense that it would be written that way you know what I mean Yes, yes. Uh, irrelevantly, mm-hmm. I think Ruth Wilson would hate normal people. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, it, it is just true that some people enjoy, want, oh, or Luckiest Girl Alive, by the way, want or need or fall into a pattern of aggressive sexual behavior. You can't say that's gratuitous. Right. Just in and it, it was in very, and of itself. You're right. Like, but it was also very integral to the story. It 
Yes. I mean, it yeah. makes sense in the story for what she's, she's going through. Right. Well, that's certainly Sarah Treem's perspective, I know. right? That, but you and, know what? I, maybe I'm on Sarah Treem's side because I really didn't like Ruth Wilson. That's actually, yeah. I remember I heard, this is so well, bad. Well, you didn't but, like Allison. Yes. Correct. Yeah, her not, character. Right, I don't right, know yes. Ruth. You're right. Right, but, right. I'm terrible at thinking in terms of like and and not like, or I guess I'm not. I guess I did like her although I would never use that word what I did find I found her extremely relatable I understood her Mm. and I think that's part of the point is that I don't think Ruth Wilson ever understood the character of Allison clearly yeah yeah, I didn't know it until this article but yeah yeah right right and and Sarah Treem said uh, you know of of some argument about Allison's exit she says but at this point, it wasn't a surprise as we'd been disagreeing on the character's right. choices since the second In episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. And she says, but n- by now we were at this complicated impasse where I didn't know how to write the character any differently. And she didn't feel she could write what I was or play, play what, I, what was I was writing. writing. That's got to be hard if you're, right? you know, that's from that's the, tough from kind of the get go to not get it and not agree with the the writer's choices yeah there's really nowhere to go with that I guess all of this aside two people not getting along does it make for a hostile work environment I I don't think that that can be a I, I don't think that could be a proper answer right it can't be that two people don't agree and so you've created a hostile work environment or a toxic work environment yeah no I, that that's not and and as we're both lawyers were not giving a legal opinion on whether or not this no. is a, but <laughs> right. two people not getting along definitely does not create a hostile work environment. I think that her best argument would have be more focused on the, her feeling as if she was put in positions where she had no choice to say no regarding these sex scenes. Yeah. Cause I thought it was interesting. There was one scene that the body double yeah did the whole scene I found that fascinating so she didn't care that Allison was still portrayed that way or she was just kind of throwing up her hands that Allison was still going to be doing this but she clearly didn't agree with the choices of the character which is I don't know it's just so hard to imagine that that should be more important you got to get into the character right she might not understand her but she's got to figure out some way to get into that character right yeah no. isn't that what being an actor is all about you don't have to play yourself right 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 i didn't think this story is so fascinating too because you have a female director but if you said it's a male director maybe do gratuitous sex scenes you right. know it would be right. much more sensational i think yeah, well, Sarah Treem was only the, well, only yes, on the, la- the yeah, crea- the creator and writer. She right. wasn't directing these episodes, but, but that's still, I do think your point is still exactly what I find so fascinating is there's so much more nuance mm-hmm. here, you know, because you're not automatically assigning one person um, power or one person anything because of their gender, because right. these people are both, both women. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what I really appreciated about Sarah Treem's response was I do feel like she really allowed for Ruth to still have her point of view, but that the conclusions that people were drawing from that point of view were inaccurate, right? She can say Ruth felt, I, I mean, she openly said we disagreed about this character 
time and time again and her motivations and what she would do and why. So you can see the creative differences there. And she leaves plenty of space for that. Yes. But that the conclusion that she somehow created this toxic or hostile work environment because of that, I I think she does a great job of sort of dismantling that, whether that could be true or not. Yeah. And I was really just left thinking this was creative differences. Sarah Treem's very powerful conclusion to her piece was, I did not always agree with Ruth Wilson, but I did always have respect for her craft her ability, and her process, and I tried to write her a character deserving of her immense talent. Yeah. I, I a- know she'll continue to tell the story of complex, multifaceted, remarkable female characters for the rest of her long career. Mm-hmm. I plan on doing the same. Yeah, I thought that was great ending. Oh, so, so good. Perfect. And you're right, she yes. is a writer, but yes. that was very respectful of Ruth. Yeah. It's very complicated to um, say the least but right no right? it is but it is it makes me think about the next phase of me too right the me too movement was really important to sort of weed out the the true assholes the people on power trips it also helped to elevate women who didn't feel they had the tools or they weren't empowered to speak up for themselves and then also gave corporate life uh, right. the the ability to to have platforms and programs to mm-hmm. help the people involved here but what there's still going to be people that see things just like the affair you're still going to have two normal yeah. rational decent human beings who fundamentally agree on what you just said and what you just heard and and how it all went down right if she did make that point, like you're saying, that these two accounts are, are it was like the affair playing out, it, or at least Ugh. this this idea that people have com- can experience the exact same thing and come away with completely different feelings and conclusions about what happened. I don't know how how to reconcile these things. I felt at the end of it that maybe both of them were in the wrong, but maybe both of them were also right. People don't like that. People like one bad guy and one good yes, guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? That's much easier. Do we want to talk about some more adaptations? Sure. So much happened. I know. So the Woman in the Window trailer came out. Yeah. Right? It's y- creepy. D- yeah. <laughs> it seems creepier than I remember the book being. Exactly. That's what right? it is. And so this is AJ Finn's book, Woman in the Window. We as you know, went to see him give a talk when that first came out. And we found him very charming. Yes. That was before the the sort of scandal broke about him and that he had lied about his past, like not just a little, but a lot. That news, by the way, was really about him lying about his personal past, right? Yes. And then he attributed it to his bipolar disorder. and, And a lot of it, it's weird. Why would you lie about it? But it wasn't yeah. about his book, you know? So yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's it was a little bit of a so what? I don't know. I have a, such a problem with the guy is a liar. That's his yeah. job. That's yeah. what all fiction writers do. They make shit up. <laughs> they do. Now, you don't generally pass it off as truth, which is a different thing, but... 
so I, I mean, I don't. I think what he's what he's done is absolutely wrong. Lying to people. I mean, if I worked with him at these places where he, I mean, if a yes. colleague of mine told me that his mother died of cancer or whatever it was, I, I mean, I'd be really pissed at that person. Right. But this is a liar who not only lied in his books but lied in real life. Yes. I, I don't. He's I don't created have much of an a issue. fiction of his life. Yeah. 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 I, and honestly, the average reader and then now moviegoer. I don't think he's going to care. I think a lot of people found the book to be very engaging. It, I yeah. did not love the book. We talked yes. about it at the time, but yes. I turned the page. It, it was without a doubt <laughs> uh, engaging, you know, and yes. you did want to find out what happened at the end. I, it's, it's, it was strange, but now, like you said, the m- trailer looks stranger Yes. And, and creepier than I yes. remember the book being. But Amy Adams is amazing. I'm sure she'll uh, give a great performance. But yes. I don't know. I, and Julianne Moore, yeah, too. Yeah, we love her. Yeah, love her. So will you yeah. see it? I mean, you'll go see it? I don't... I'm not sure. I know. I, I'm not me, sure. I know. Me neither. I'm not sure. It may just be... And that might be what they're fighting against is... I don't care. I bought a copy of this book. I was very happy to go see him speak when we did. But I don't know. I'm no longer like really rooting for him. It's not no. like, why am I going to go? I don't know. I don't know that I will go out and see it. So maybe the damage, there is some damage, yeah. even if even if I'm not kind of enraged by it. Maybe there is some lingering. Da- yeah. 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 He seemed very calculated and. Well, clearly. Yes. 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 And so and this I, all sort of goes with it, which has left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Right. We will not be covering this on. Yeah. Pop fiction women because mm. no female writer, no female director. I yeah. Mean, the two stars. Okay. But. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not going to pass our tests. No, it's not. Uh, but you know what will? What? <laughs> dare, dare me. Dare me, of course. There was a really deep piece about Megan Abbott and her process and the show in Marie Claire. Yeah. And my goodness, if this show is not a bonanza of behind the scenes women at, or and in front of the camera, the three leads are women. But behind the scenes, too, Abbott is co-showrunner with Gina Fattori, who produced Dawson's Creek, Californication, Unreal, and Gilmore Girls. Love it. Uh, of the series, eight writers, including Abbott and Fattori, all but one are female. The director of the pilot episode is a woman, Steph Green, an Oscar-nominated director whose credits include Watchmen, The Americans, and Billions. Mm-hmm. And then seven out of the 10 episodes were directed by women. She's got two women DPs, director of photography, Zoe White did the pilot. And then uh, another woman, Dagmar, is the DP for the series. So it's my goodness. It's insane. It's the exact opposite of what we were talking about last time (laughs) with Bombshell and how, you know, they missed an opportunity to have you know, a female writer or director. This yeah. is a perfect example of the opposite of all of oh that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, everywhere you look, you see women in control of the story and that is exciting, right? It's so exciting. I just thought the article was was very interesting about her career and, and 
how the winding path some of these things take. But yeah. I also loved a quote of hers in here. She said, yes. in society, she says, women are not supposed to be angry or be the mm. boss or take control <laughs> of things or talk too much or be shrill. But if you don't do those things, you're kind of trapped in this passivity. The repressing of all these feelings should be expressed because they're going to come out in other ways. And of course, in Dare Me, that repression ultimately leads to violence. There is a, yeah. there is a murder. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought that was such a great quote. And I know in this book in particular, it's sort of the, the repressed feelings of a young females. Uh, but right. it applies equally, of course, to women of all ages. You know, I couldn't help not to go back, but I really, when I read that quote, I couldn't help but go back to thinking about Sarah Treem and Ruth Wilson mm. and that that's what they, maybe they were just so up against each other and there was no outlet, outlet. for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not yeah. being, I'm not being sparsical here, but like, what if they had just like put on boxing gloves in a ring and like... <laughs> could deal with the aggression. Listen, <laughs> I love boxing. So I, and for that very reason, let yeah, get that uh, shit out. I want to punch something. That's yes. what I say to my, to my boxing trainer. I'm like, I just want to hit shit. Okay. Yes. Just, just give me something to hit. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you I wonder if that would have helped. Right. I mean, I don't know who knows, but it, the, the idea that these repressed feelings have to be expressed or they're going to come out in other ways and we've talked about we've talked about rage last time and you know certainly sometimes people are able to take that rage and make it productive but that's that's not always the way it goes sometimes that mm -hmm. rage comes out in much darker or or difficult ways and it's not yes. so productive and <laughs> right right and and, and, it, and it can sit between you like weight in the room right absolutely right all right so we'll switch gears a little bit but going back to our original theme of adapting yes. uh, Christina Tosi we listened to her on a, a podcast called Second Life mm -hmm. which is essentially all about adapting or pivoting as they like to call it these days where you think you're going in one direction and then you have a whole another direction that your life sort of blossoms into. Right. I love Christina Tosi so much. We should say um, who she is. Yes. So she is the brilliant baker behind Milk Bar. Oh, God. Um, she I first, love it. Sorry. Yeah, I'm well, just, she, I just had a vision of the the confetti cake. Oh, anyway, yes. Yes. Oh, and her cereal milk. You know, I love her cereal milk. Um, flavor, but I like it with little chocolate malt in it. Little oh, pro tip nice. for you. <laughs> so there you good. go. There so you good. go. So anyway, she is now one of the most successful bakers of all time. Milk Bar has 15 locations mm -hmm. across the country and has enjoyed over a decade of popularity. Yeah. In times where where you know fads come and go, and right. Milk Bar has just been a steady presence for over 10 years. So yeah, and seems to be growing in popularity yes. and they just opened a flagship store in new york and yeah i mean we've had a we had a work event there at the um williamsburg location okay. you can actually do baking classes so we oh, at fun. our firm had an event there yeah we made the that i don't know the cake the multi-layer cake you know yes that's, 
the birthday cake. Oh, it's the her, birthday cake. Yeah. Yes, the yeah. signature. Uh, first yes, of all, I with the sides showing. I literally have never consumed so much sugar in my life oh. as I did that day, and I left with. This is not her fault. I left with <laughs> the worst sugar headache because. Oh yeah. I think I ate half the frosting before <laughs> you know before it even got on to the cake but it was a great event and the space was amazing and it, it, we all got to leave with a cake it was it was fantastic oh, yeah i, I want to go that. to the flagship store that's what i want to check out yes i do too i had looked on instagram and they're serving cinnamon toast crunch cookies this weekend oh, only God. i'm like how am i missing this that's so sad <laughs> I yes. am a total sugar addict. Yes. Yeah. But we're really but, into but her. What I, exactly. Because some of the things she said in this episode of, yeah. of this podcast just blew my freaking mind. They're, they're things I've always wanted to say, but never had the words to say or never had the sort of wherewithal really to say. So let me back up a second. In college, she doubled majored in math and Italian thinking that she was going to be either an actuary or a translator in the UN mm-hmm. or as she added maybe a truck driver because she loves road trips, trips. and she's an intense driver fucking yes. loved that I, I know lo- that was amazing oh my god and yet here she is as one of the most successful bakers of all time she said very early on in the episode I'm most comfortable when I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, that was cool. And I have a challenge ahead of me. Yes. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, why have I never thought to say that? I mean, I'm always, that's that's the way I act. Like I'm most comfortable when I'm uncomfortable. But, but I never put those words to it. I was like, yes. Extremely articulate for yes. you know someone who's not a writer. For example, we said, no wonder Sarah Trim can write a good article. She's a writer. This is a woman who... I mean, this is words are not what she's dealing in every day, but she was. No, she's math and baking and driving and Italian. And all of those things. But that quote and so just so articulate and so self-aware. Yes. So beautifully self-aware. My gosh. The thing that I that struck me in that was how many times she used the word hustle. Mm, yeah to describe herself and and yes. her career path and what and you know so then I just hustled and then you know when no one I had no restaurant experience other than you know some small place in Virginia so I printed 100 resumes and I just hustled and I walked the streets in New York and I got this person to give me a job and then I got that person to give me a job and everything was just about hustling and her work ethic and yes and and you know, when she said at one point when she worked for WD-50, you got two days off from work. And that was crazy to her because she had always, yeah. most restaurants, she worked six days a week. And she always was had sometimes a second job because she wasn't getting paid if she was doing an internship at others. And right. so to have two days off, she was like, what am I supposed to do with myself? So she said yeah. to, you know, the owner, listen, I, what else can I do? you know, what else can I do to help you? And she said, because in her family, it was, she was brought up that way. You know, you don't just get the A, you then ask, what can I do for extra credit? And that's just her mentality. Like, what more can I do? Yes. And I just, to me, she's just the epitome of, of hustle. Yeah. Are you, do you think you're like that? Is that? I do. You know, I always say that 
I never do anything half-assed. That's my line. Yes. And she yes. said, I never do anything a little bit, which was her yes. nicer way of saying the <laughs> exact same thing. I yes. don't know how to do something half-assed. And I, I and that. and yes, if you're asking, did I ask for extra credit a lot in life? Then yes, I. Oh yeah, that me too. Yes, yes. and not just in school. She just means there's always more you can be doing. Be doing. And yes. and she didn't say this like you know I can sleep when I'm dead, but that's sort of yeah. what she's like. The, the mentality. The yes. mentality. Yes. Like I have more time for that. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. And she just seems to really be enjoying it and yes. just like this is what I want to be doing. I think we get this a lot, Kate, seeing as the podcast is our first, second or even like third jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. You know, especially if you consider being a mother, you know, being a person in the world. But when you love it, it just doesn't feel like work. It feels like something you want to really make time to do. And right. I know you and I both feel that way about this podcast. So I just loved her attitude and her awareness, like you said. And she was. She was so articulate about it. And it was in, you know, like an hour-long podcast. I feel like I took away so many taglines for myself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. and, and just- That I could use. And I loved that she had learned sort of the business side first by working with David Chang at Momofuku and the operations and she was doing everything. That's where sort of her math side of her brain and business side yes, came in. in. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. just amazing to me that, that she can have really just be so multidimensional. I, I feel like people are typically sort of really good at the business side, but then not the creative side. Like, right. Or that, that you think of the chef or the baker as like, mm, I, you know, I can't, I don't know, somebody else do my ordering or what, you know, yeah. I don't know. Obviously yeah. it's a misconception probably on my part, but that both sides of her brains just seem so strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. No, for sure. And it's to me, the math part of it, the math does work with the the baker side because yes, as, as opposed to cooking you do have to really be exact and yes. and it is a lot about science and measuring and mm-hmm. but she's also so creative and she also cares very much about the creative side yeah so and I just uh, I just love that I listened to a different podcast too. David Chang called her a little bit out on her creativity and how sometimes she loses her freaking mind like for a while they had barbecue <laughs> flavored ice cream oh all and right he's like this is disgust i mean it's perfectly accurate it tastes like barbecue but no one wants, wants barbecue this. flavored ice cream right take right. it off the menu now <laughs> but and apparently right. she's very stubborn and she wouldn't oh that's but hysterical it took it took a while for her to take it off and concede now in hindsight she's like i don't think one not one single per person purchased it Ever some people tried it, it. Mm-hmm. some people tried it but they would not buy it yeah so well, our last pivot of the day yes we'll talk about us talk about us and our we had a we had our first I was gonna oh say live performance but it was not a live performance of the podcast but our first no that's talk right. presentation right. what would we call yes. it yeah, no, I think I, I was calling it a live event, but you're right. I'm a member at The Wing, and I found out that they were doing a screening of Love Actually, which makes sense, holiday season. So I reached out to the community manager, a wonderful woman named Jordan, and 
I said, can we leave some flyers? People might be interested in our podcast after they've listened since we've done a whole episode on Love Actually. Right. She wrote back so enthusiastically, absolutely drop it off whenever you want. That would be great. But also, by the way, do you want to say something about your podcast and about the movie? And P.S., let's just let everyone know that this was one day prior to the event. That's right. We were, in fact, scrambling to maybe get postcards to give out. I was just going to say. And at that point, we were barely thinking we were going to pull it together on these postcards to hand out, Mm. let alone, yes, live remarks. Sure. We'll we'll speak for 15 minutes about right pop fiction women and love actually we can pull that together but we don't have anything else going on right but because we're perfectly comfortable being uncomfortable thank you christina we said yes we said absolutely hell yes 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 and it was so fun because we got to share with people uh that were there to see the movie a few of which had never seen it i was surprised right? uh, by a show of hands but yep. but most people had and yeah. they had come to have wine or hot chocolate and it was supposed to be in their pjs or cozy yes. sweaters it was a yes. holiday screening and yes. we got to talk to them about you know some of the criticisms of of love actually so they could maybe look at the movie in a new way but also some of our favorite things and also more about the podcast so it was great it was it was great and it was really nice to know you were getting an audience that cared about what you had talked about so it wasn't like just trying to convince people that they should listen to our podcast it was really people who were going to like something that we had already talked about and we know it went really well because we had a nice little surge in our downloads it seemed like every single person there downloaded the episode after the movie yes. which is just like there's nothing more thrilling for people doing this work i mean that to me was like my biggest joy i yes. could not even believe it well and now they, now the wing is going to get a new member because yes. i was so impressed with it i oh did not i mean maybe people don't know what it is but it is the organization or a network of like work and community spaces for women mm-hmm. uh, and there are several locations across new york city there are also in other cities even internationally i think there's one in london london and beautifully designed just aesthetically gorgeous and they have conference room spaces and beauty mm-hmm. rooms and showers yes. and cafes. And it's just about community of women. And I yeah. am absolutely joining. I know you, I'm preaching to the choir here, but. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really cool because it's really like it's WeWork meets the Soho house. During the day, it is a work environment. It yes. is like there's everyone there is working everyone's on conference calls they're in conference rooms you know doing powerpoint presentations it is a work environment during the day but in the evenings you know that's where i saw reese witherspoon and meryl streep and nicole kidman talk about big little eyes too i've seen j-lo there i've had breakfast with carrie washington there meaning like an event not me and yeah. carrie <laughs> but <laughs> you and carrie. so they have all of these amazing events as well and then on top of that it's a really great supportive workspace environment during the day so yes and by the way when i started researching it you know five seconds after we were asked to do it and i saw that what you just explained that 
these spaces have hosted people like Reese Witherspoon and Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman and JLo, I then really had a heart attack. Yes, of like, course. Oh. And and now it's hosting Kate and Corinne. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was definitely like an out-of-body experience for me. I was like, what just happened? Because, you know, it's really funny with this podcast. I have never in my life before this endeavor not had an end goal, right? I, you know, my That's whole a good life, point. I wanted really to go to, point. I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to work at a big firm. And then I was like, I, then I, when I was in real estate law, I'm like, I want to be in house at one of these, my clients. I always knew exactly where I was going. I always maintain very, very flexible and open mindset, but I still always have a plan. And with this, I don't. And this coming together, us being asked to present, I just didn't even know what to envision. And I haven't known what to envision for this entire podcast. We all know how it was born. And then the whole thing is just sort of seems to have a life of its own. And Which is so great, though, because oh, I think oh my this gosh, is good. So you know, I'm similar to you and have had similar goals. And it's very exciting and liberating to just see where something takes you and you know your husband made a very good point before right before we went up there to talk and I loved it he looked at us he's like you guys taught first talked about this podcast in August and look at you (laughs) like meaning it's December and you're now it's launched there are six or whatever episodes out at this point and you're about to give a talk at the wing and I was like yes right on this was a was a good victory and such a surreal experience and I remain open to wherever this goes and it's just so exciting that was so fun awesome yay I'm in as I said there I'm in (laughs) (laughs) of course the answer is always yes yes